Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. Now, this is an extra special episode. We've been doing some extra special episodes recently because this episode makes me incredibly uncomfortable to release. Why? Well, about a month ago, I did an appearance, a speaking gig at Delta H Con, a fantastic convention in Houston, Texas. The thing is, is that this convention was very different than any other convention that I normally speak at, like any sort of motivational, personal development, business leadership talks. No, this convention was for anime. So if you don't know, a fun fact about our family is that my husband, Spike, has been a very well-known voice actor for the past 30 years. He's mostly known for voicing young prepubescent boys uh, in Japanese anime films and TV. Crazy world, right? Well, one of the benefits of being married to my amazing, talented husband, Spike Spencer, is we do get to fly around the world to different conventions for anime, Comic-Con sort of conventions. And sometimes I have the privilege of speaking at them. Only recently um, has that been growing more and more as the anime world has started to adopt more and more personal development panels into their conventions. My husband's panel, Don't Kill Your Date and Other Cooking Tips, he's been doing that around the world, helping guys better their relationships and dating um, that all came from his own struggles with the dating world. Obviously, he's no longer struggling anymore, but he has been doing that panel and it's been such a hit that they gave me the opportunity to start doing panels as well. The thing is, is that nobody knows me in the anime community. So, and so unlike at other speaking engagements where people are there to better themselves, they are there for personal development, they are there for leadership, they're there for self-mastery. At an anime convention, they're really there for anime. And so my panels are much, much smaller than what I'm used to speaking in front of. And this panel got down from several people in the room who were all watching this really fun girl group. And granted, I have always wanted a musical act to open for me. But as I got on the stage, the whole room went from being filled with about 20, 25 people to filled with two or three thing was three and then it got down to one and boy is that challenging if you have ever been a speaker and then you know that there will be those times and those engagements where you have one or two or three people in the audience and the big question is what do you do do you try to easily sneak off the stage from that one person so they don't see your shame? Do you let your pride take over and have a total diva moment and storm off stage because you're so much better than this? Or do you stand on that stage and continue to serve from a place of courage? And as many of you know, my background didn't start in personal development. I actually started my personal development journey through acting. It was in acting classes that I learned how to feel and what emotions actually were because it wasn't appropriate to feel emotions in my household growing up. I watched my dad shove them down with alcohol and pills, and I watched my mom as she just didn't want to deal with them. She didn't want to ignore them. She always was very logical-minded, and emotions just didn't make sense to her. So me being naturally more emotional, the theater was a place where I found my my haven to be able to express and actually feel again, and I got in touch with my feelings. Well, having trained in the theater, the thing is with putting on any sort of theatrical production. The rule of thumb is this. If you have people in your audience, you perform, you show up, you do the work, you put on the best show ever, and you do it as if you had 10,000. So standing on that stage with one person in the audience, granted, I don't count my husband and my son, uh, (laughs) because, so I mean, we could say I had two, two and a half, three, 
But the big question is, what do you do? So a couple things. One, I went in with knowing that anyone who was in that room on a Sunday, which is normally a a low turnout for conventions anyways, especially anime conventions because everybody's party too hard the Saturday night before, on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, if people are in that room, they are serious about improving their lives. I went in with the expectation knowing that I was probably going to have a lower room count than any panel or anything that I've ever been in. I also knew that the people who would be there would be the ones who would most need it. They would be the ones who had consciously made a choice to improve themselves and better their lives and become more courageous and become the hero of their own life. And it would be such a massive disservice if I left the stage. Now, I didn't know that it would get down to one, but I did go in with that expectations. I knew my audience. The second thing I did was I owned my stage. Now, this applies for whether you're doing a live stream or your stage, your metaphorical stage is your an Instagram photo or a Facebook post. You own your space. You are the queen of that stage. You are the queen of that live stream. You are the queen of your social feeds. You decide how you are to be treated. You train others to treat you the way that you desire to be treated. And you want to train your energy to send out the signal that you are made for more. More press appearances, more stages, more clients, more money. That is how you claim your space. So this, you think of anything that you put out there, this is your kingdom. You are building it and it is your job as a queen or king of that to welcome anyone who has blessed you with their presence, who has come into your kingdom, whether they are watching your live stream and they are only one person or they are watching you on stage and they are only one or two people or they are following you on social media, you own the fact that they have blessed you with the time to follow you, the time to show up to your live stream, the time to be at your speaking engagement. They have blessed you with their most precious resource, which is not their money. It is their time. And you deliver. You mother effing deliver because you respect them enough meeting them queen to queen or queen to king and saying, yes, I welcome you just like I would welcome anyone into my palace or my kingdom. You treat whomever shows up in your kingdom like gold. They have blessed you with their time. And why is that? Because how you do everything is how you do everything. Number three, how you do anything is how you do everything. This is why 10 years of theater blessed me with the lesson that it doesn't matter whether you have one person or 10 people or 10,000 people in your audience, you deliver like you would for 10,000, no matter how many people you have watching you. Why? Because if you want, if you desire to be in front of an audience of 10,000, then acting as if you are in front of that audience of 10,000, show up like you are in front of an audience of 10,000. It should be no different than you being in front of an audience of one. The same is true when I work with my clients who are coaches. So if my coaches, so, so when my coaches get their first client and they're like, ah, yeah, I'm guessing I'm working with, with one person. And I'm like, you better treat that person like they're freaking gold. If you want to be charging the premium prices of 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 and beyond for your coaching, eventually you may not be there yet, but if you, that's where you want to go, then you treat them like they're your $10,000 client. And I guarantee you, you will be getting a $10,000 client a lot faster. It's manifestation 101. In the beginning, you will start small. You have to have the the quote unquote reality of the people who are in your audience to not determine your faith for the fact that you believe that you are big. And that belief in itself, that energy of believing, yes, sure, I got one person in the audience and I'm going to treat them like gold because I know that I will be speaking in front of 10,000 people. I, I Sure, I have one person who's a, who's a coaching client, but you know what? I believe I will have my roster completely filled with coaching clients because I am that good. 
Yes, I have one customer, one thing. It always starts with one, but that one person, it's de- it depends on the energy of how you treat that one person that signals to the universe that you are made for more, that you are ready for more. You treat that person like they were everything. That one person has also blessed you with their time and maybe even their dollar, and that is worth it. That is worth you delivering. So if you want more clients, if you want more customers, if you want more audience, then you build raving fans by going above and beyond for what you have right now. You celebrate them, you make them feel freaking special, and you lead by example and deliver everything you got on that stage or in that seat session or in that customer transaction. Whatever it is, you go and be of... You go above and beyond and you build a raving fan for life. That is the big signal to the universe that you are ready for more. If you want to be a millionaire, start acting like a millionaire. You, If you want to speak in front of 10,000 people, start acting like you speak in front of 10,000 people. If you want to have a following of millions, start acting as if you have a following of millions and showing up consistently, not doing the sporadic bullshit that I see the dabblers do in their businesses. If you want to grow successfully, profitably, and continuously, then start acting as if you are already growing successfully, profitably, and continuously. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. Believe me, you will hear in the audio my voice shake. Public speaking is still a practice for me that I am working on perfecting. At the same time, doing it in front of an audience of one Definitely, you will hear the shake of the shame, the shame shake, as we can call it, of, oh, crap, of that immediate egoic feeling. The thing is, is that I did not listen to the ego that said, oh, I'm so much better than this. Oh, I should have more people. Oh, I did it, whatever, whatever, whatever. I listened to my higher self that said, stay on the stage. And what happened? I stayed on that stage and slowly but surely more and more people trickled in and you will hear at the end of this the little boy who came in and nearly made me cry because well I'll just let you hear it so with that I show you my act of courage and I hope that it inspires you to be more courageous with that dream that you have I share this with you because if this inspires you in some way to serve more powerfully for the audience that you do have, then that just keeps on making this the lesson that keeps on giving. Because not only did that little boy pipe up who you'll hear at the end of the podcast, but at the same time, I went up to every single person who showed up and who stayed and I thanked them for coming and many of them were so grateful that I did stay on the stage because it helped them become more courageous that day. So with that being said, enjoy. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life body, business, bank account, boys and babies. Let's make it rain. So for all of those of you who are staying in here, thank you so much because I'm not an anime person. I'm just married to one. And I had sex with him once as proof by our baby. Just once. (laughs) And it was amazing. And it was amazing. It was amazing. So thank you so much for being here because if you are here, you are here to better yourself. You are here to become the hero of your life. And I am super excited. So who am I? 
I am Kimberly Spencer. I am a high performance coach. And if you don't know what that means, I basically help people become better. Um, I help people become a better version of themselves. And so for me, how I got started on this journey was I was battling a 10 year battle with bulimia. Has anybody ever gone through some sort of struggle or fear or thing that they just felt like was almost unstoppable? Go ahead, raise your hand. I'm right there with you. Yes. Yeah. And when I was going through this battle with bulimia, I was scared. I knew that I was doing a slow form of suicide because that's what bulimia is. That's what eating disorders are. Um, and I knew that I needed to change. I just didn't know how. Because you see, I'd grown up in a home that was with an addict. And now I love my parents very much, but they have their issues like everyone does, right? Like, and so when I was growing up in, this, in my home, I learned a lot of really negative resources and tools for how to deal with life. And I, didn't, I was never taught how to be my own hero. It was like I always was looking for something else, something outside of me, something that I could find that would save me but I never was taught that I could actually be the hero of my life. And so for all of you who are here, thank you so much for showing up because you have made a powerful choice to become the hero of your own life. And we're gonna dive into how to do that today. <clears throat> so while I was in the midst of this struggle with bulimia, I was stuck in this spiral of blame and shame and guilt. I had shame about what I was doing. I was hiding it from everybody. I had shame about all the secrets that I had. I had shame about who I was and, and how I looked. Has anybody felt shame around how they look and how they show up? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not pretty. It's, it's, I mean, the shame's not pretty. You're gorgeous. But it's not, it's not a pretty place to be. And when you're in that space where you're also feeling guilty because you look the way that you look and because you feel the way that you feel, it piles all of these negative emotions on top of each other and it can drive you batty. And so while I was stuck in this spiral of blame and shame, what I realized was that the only way that I could become the hero of my life was in order, was I had to take ownership. I had to banish blame from my life. I had to step up. I had to take ownership and I had to start claiming my problems as my own. I had to start showing up and saying, you know what? Yeah, I do this. No judgment, no shame, no added shame, just stepping up and coming at it from this place of ownership. So step one, to become the hero of your life is you've got to banish blame from your world. Like it no longer belongs there. So if there is someone or something outside of you that you are blaming, or if you're like me and you're really skilled at blaming yourself, then that's also not fully taking ownership for where you are. Because what happens is, when you blame yourself, you put yourself at the effect of yourself. And it causes a lot more problems because we can all be our own worst critics, can't we? Right? Yeah, we can all be our own worst critics. So, by eliminating that, that blame, and by looking at it from more of an objective standpoint, you're able to step into that space of ownership, which is where true change can happen. Now, many of you, we all know fictional stories, right? Like, that's why we're all here. We all love them. Anime, movies. A lot of times, becoming the hero of your own life, is n it's reluctant. There are situations where we don't really want to step up and take ownership. It's not sexy. Like, it sucks. It kind of hurts when you're like, oh, now I'm thrown with all these problems and now they're mine and now I have to deal with them. Ugh. And so when you're stuck in that space, when you're stuck in that space of not knowing what you should do and like that reluctance, the first step is taking ownership. 
So once you've banished blame, you say, okay, this is where I am. These are the tools, these are the resources, these are everything that I have. This is everything that I have right now, as I am, right here. So, once you've banished that blame, and once you've stepped into that position of ownership, that's where true change lies. So let's, take a bit, let's think of this in the form of, now I don't know anime very well, but I do know that even if you still have blame in your life, like if you're blaming your daddy like Shinji did, that you still can step into that space of owning your choices because whether he liked it or not, no matter how much he blamed, he still got in the mother effing robot. <laughs> and that, that is taking ownership of your choices. Even sometimes if you don't wanna take ownership of your choices, you step into that space where you take that ownership and you move the needle forward so that that way you at least are creating the change. That starts the process of becoming the hero. That's why we don't like the heroes that want to be that, the hero. Like look at, imagine, see I know Disney princess movies far better than I know anime. So let's take for example Gaston, right? Kind of an asshole. He was all puffed up and like walking out, strutting like Belle, why do you read books and all that stuff. And yet, the thing is, is that he wanted to be the hero, but he wasn't really the hero. People who generally have that desire for the fame and the glory and the things of that, not saying that those things are necessarily bad, but the people who desire to be in that hero position that actually don't have that sort of reluctance, those aren't the heroes that we root for. We root for the heroes that are reluctant at first. So where is a struggle in your life that you have been reluctant to step into? What is a struggle that you've been facing? Maybe it's like me, and you've been battling some body image issues and you haven't really liked the way that you looked. Well, the first step to, look, to taking ownership is saying, okay, am I okay with accepting my humanity? Am I okay with accepting the fact that I am where I am? Am I okay do I accept myself? Not without, without judgment, without shame, without blame. Can I accept myself for this being who I am and where I am? And then, once you, can, once you ask yourself, can I accept myself for where I am? That's where you can start taking ownership, where you can actually move the needle and change. Once you accept that. Now, once you're in that space where you've accepted ownership, that's where then you can now step into that space of, am I willing to change? Am I actually willing to change? Am I actually willing to shift my behavior, to make a new choice, to do something different, to do something that perhaps scares me? Because here's the thing about doing anything different, anything different, even if it's a good habit, right? Even if it's something that's good for you. Our our brains are hardwired and programmed that anything different sends off the signals of fear. Well, what do we want to do? What, what do we do when we feel fear? We feel like Shinji, and we feel like I mustn't run away, even though you really, really, really want to run away. Even though you really want to get out. Even though you really want to run away. You stand and you face that fear, and you know that that fear it's just a sign of your growth. So even if it's adopting a new habit, something that's positive, right, like exercise. So even if we start adopting that habit, that's why the average American resolution lasts about how long? How long do you think the average American resolution lasts? One day. Seven. Seven. The average American New Year's resolution lasts seven days. And what's the most common New Year's resolution, right? It's to exercise, it's to get a better body, it's to you know, feel better in your skin. The thing is, is that that habit has not been subconsciously programmed yet. It hasn't, you haven't adopted it as an identity of something of who you are and what you do and stepping into that space 
where you naturally feel that fear. So immediately what happens when you start working out is you start getting a little uncomfortable, right? Our muscles are sore, we wake up, we're a little achy, and that doesn't really feel very good. So those negative initial feelings, those feelings of soreness or like, oh, that challenge was so challenging. Those initial feelings, that is what we then have to lean into. Because when you take that next step and leaning into that new habit, even though at first it feels uncomfortable, because any change at first will feel uncomfortable, stepping into the robot feels uncomfortable. Rescuing the prince feels uncomfortable. Any change, any step of courage feels uncomfortable. The thing that separates the people who are the heroes from the people who are not is the ones who actively take that courageous step to say, you know what, I feel a little soreness today, but you know what, I'm gonna get back and I'm gonna be there tomorrow. I'm gonna go back into the arena. I'm gonna go do the thing that scares me. I'm gonna show up anyways. I'm gonna show up regardless. And you show up and you do that thing even though it scares you. Like Shinji said, I mustn't run away, right? So the second way to quickly change into being the hero of your own life is to change your physiology. So what does that mean? So I see some slumped over postures, some leaning over. We have neurotransmitters. I know everyone's suddenly like sitting up a lot straighter, rolling your shoulders back. We have neurotransmitters on every single cell of our body. So how you carry yourself show, triggers your brain to think of yourself in a certain way. If you're walking around shuffling and slumped over and not really looking people in the eye, it immediately tells your brain that you're not confident, that you're scared. So how do you step into the, the being the hero? How do you step into that? Is you immediately change your physiology, like I saw everyone go do. You automatically rolled those shoulders back. You sat up a little straighter. Walking with your chin up, I do believe, and I heard this from a friend of mine, that confidence is in the chin. And as a former pageant girl, I can tell you that is absolutely true. Because if I was walking with my head down like this, what would you think of me? If I showed up on stage and I walked like this, and I was kind of, see even I don't, it automatically drags my energy downward. Versus when you lift that chin up and you look people in the eye, suddenly you're in a space of a lot more confidence. Now I know that sometimes looking people in the eye is scary. I've been there too. Because even though I'm up on stage here, this is not my most comfortable space that I live in. I am naturally an introvert, and every single thing has been learned. Walking with confidence has been learned. Saying hi to people has been learned. When I was six years old, I, was, I had no friends. I literally stalked my best friend at the playground. I was like following her around. She's still my best friend to this day, probably because she just doesn't want me to stalk her anymore. But I literally followed her around because I was, I was so scared to talk to her. How did I become the hero? Well, I let her turn around first and then say something. And then I kind of followed her around before, for a little longer. And then I realized in about first grade that I still only had one friend. And I saw other people on the playground with more friends. And I asked my mom, I said, Mom, how do I get more friends? I'm so shy, I'm so scared to talk to people. And she said, Kim, just go up and say hi to somebody and say their name. That's all. And the great thing about this is that you can do this right here for the rest of the day at Delta H Gone, is that you can go up because you also have their name tags, which makes it really easy to say hi and say their names. So they also have the name tags, so you can say hi and just say your name. Say it with your chin up and look them in the eye. Now here's the thing I will say. I also, for 16 years, didn't look people in the eye. For 16 years, I was petrified to look people in the eye. 
And it wasn't until I was in a summer abroad program and a friend of mine said, Kim, you never look people in the eye when you talk. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I just would always look around them. Why? Because your eyes, what do, they, what do they call the eyes? What's the classic idiom? Your eyes are the windows to the what? Soul. That's right. I didn't want people to see my soul because back when I was 16 years old and struggling with bulimia and all that shame and all that guilt and all that fear, I didn't want people to know how scared I was. I was, I was perfect. I was showing up as the, the perfectionist version of me, as the version I wanted everyone to perceive me as, but that wasn't really who I was. Inside, I was screaming. I was scared to death. And that's the thing. So that's why when you look people in the eyes, you allow someone to see your soul, all that truth, and sometimes all the things that you don't really want them to see. And then you allow yourself to see somebody else's. The thing is, is that when you do that, because there is a, there is a natural uh, biological thing of, called perception is projection. So we see in others the things that we see in ourselves. And so when we see others and we see their fear and their shame and their stuff, when we're in that space, we don't like it because we're seeing ourselves in that. We, we see all those parts of ourselves that we don't really want to show up. We don't really want people to see that. And so it scares us. There's one of my, um, one of my favorite quotes is from the movie Cinderella. Now while, I, granted, I hate the movie, the cartoon version, I don't believe in losing a shoe and having a prince that, like have to kiss me and find me. Like I like to be the hero. That's just how I roll. Belle was my gal. But in the new movie, the live action version of Cinderella with, with Kate Blanchett, there is, at the end of it, when Cinderella comes down the staircase and she's in her rags and she's not in a ball gown and she shows up just as her authentic self of like, you know what? This is me. Hashtag greatest showman. Like, this is me, this is who I am. Will you take me or will you not? And if not, that's fine. And there's a quote from that movie that says, the bravest thing you could ever do is allow somebody to see you for who you are. Sometimes that means allowing people to see your scars. Sometimes that means allowing people to see the parts of you that you don't really like, the shameful parts, the the parts that have anger. But that is the measure of a true hero, is how can you show up vulnerably and authentically and say, you know what? This is me. How can you be brave enough to show up 100% as who you are inside and all the amazingness that it is? That's why I love yoga. Because in yoga, you, you, have the, you end the session with like namaste. Namaste just means the light in me honors the light in you. It means I see you in your highest magnificence. I see the amazing human that you are. I see the awesome husband and father and provider that you are. I see the amazing person that you are and I honor that. That's why in my business, crown yourself, when anybody says, oh, I don't know, I don't like to think of myself as a queen or a king or something like that, I'm like, I'm not saying that by being a, uh, I say that a queen looks down to no one and she also looks down on no one. A true queen knows her worth and stands in that power and honors the power that she sees in you. So I greet you, queen to king, a little prince over there, <laughs> queen to king, queen to king, queen to king, queen to queen. That is showing up fully as your highest and best self. Now, sometimes that can be really scary. It took me years. It took me 15 years to become this version of me who was confident enough to show up on stage and to show up and say, hey, hashtag greatest showman, this is me. And you know what? It started with the physiology. It started with rolling my shoulders back 
pulling my chin up, sitting up straight. And then it also started with after the physiology, the third part, the third step after ownership, change your physiology so you're walking with confidence. It changed to how do I talk to myself? How do I allow and accept? Because it's normal. It is our two million year old brain is automatically gonna send fear signals no matter what. It's gonna, it's gonna send fear. It's gonna say, it's gonna say, oh my God, you're starting to change. What's happening? What's up? That's okay. Feeling the fear is okay. You feel the fear and you do it anyways. And you move forward with courage. That is a hero. So it's saying, okay, you know what? I feel this fear to call this girl that I really like back. The hero does it anyway. The victim who's waiting for somebody else, oh, well, maybe it, the victim instead waits for the other person to call, says, oh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know what? Here's all the reasons. Maybe she doesn't really like me. Maybe she's not really that interested. How will you know if you don't take that act of courage and just pick up the phone? That is the key. Because once you take that courageous act and you step forward and you do that thing that scares you, that is becoming the hero. And so I give you permission now, today, September 22nd, to show up 100% as the hero of your own life, owning your choices. The past happened. I can't change the past. I can't change the fact that I threw up for 15 years. Here's the thing is with when you're stuck in a cycle of blame. When you're stuck in a cycle of blame, what happens is, is that your results are not your own. They're whomever you're blaming. So when I was stuck, back when I was 16 years old, struggling with bulimia, blaming everyone, blaming my dad most, mostly, the thing was, was that if I wanted to actually truly recover, my results had to be mine. And so with blame, you allow your results to be somebody else's because if it's everybody else's fault, if it's their fault as to why you are not where you want to be, who you want to be, etc. then it's also their fault that you're not there yet. And it's also the, their fault that when you get the results, when you move forward, when you take those acts of courage and you're still blaming, it's still that person gets the credit. And my question to you is, do you want them to have that? Because personally for me, I wanted my results to be mine. When I recovered from 10 years of bulimia, with no psychological or medical intervention, when I recovered from that, suddenly I wanted my results to be mine. And so for me, that was the biggest shift. When I took ownership and said, you know what? The past is the past. I made those choices. But now I'm choosing a different path. Now I'm leaning into that thing that scares me. Now I'm continuing to move forward and do the daily act of courage. Because the fourth step into becoming the hero of your own life after ownership, changing your physiology, taking those daily acts of courage, the fourth step and the last one, which is probably the most important, is to forgive yourself. A lot of times when the hero steps up to the plate, they're doing it from that place of service for the greater good, for you know, for themselves, for the others, for their family, for whatever. But they're stepping up to that plate to do something that's for the greater good. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you make a mistake. In fact, you probably will. Like, you probably will make a mistake. You probably will have a mess up or a fuck up or a failure. Excuse me. What? Declan, watch your language. You probably will. <laughs> you probably will. The thing is, is that when you take that courageous step, the, that's why the fourth step is forgiveness. It's not just forgive, it's not just to forgive others for the, all the things that you were blaming them for, but it's also to forgive yourself. 
Forgive yourself for the things that you did not accomplish in the time frame that you wanted to accomplish. Forgive yourself and move forward. And that is how you repeat that cycle day in and day out to become the hero of your own life. So, to quickly review, what are the four steps to become the hero of your life? Number one, ownership. Taking ownership, banishing blame from your kingdom, it does not belong there. Number two, change your physiology, stand up with courage, roll your shoulders back, tell your unconscious mind via your body that you are a badass hero and you have come to strap on your hero cape and save the day whether that's your own life or somebody else's. Because you can also change the world with a smile. Yes, you can. You can also change the world with a smile. Because one of my, as one of my clients said to me, he said, a smile and an act of kindness can change the world. And that in itself is an act of a hero. Is smiling and being kind by just noticing, recognizing somebody. Everybody wants to be respected, acknowledged, understood, and appreciated. Sometimes the quickest way to appreciate someone is just to say hello and say their name. That allows you to be that hero. Because we don't know how, many, how that hero effect, how that act of heroism, even though it may not feel like it, ripples out and that how it affects and impacts that one person, and then maybe their day has changed, and maybe they make different choices because you said something, because you acknowledged that they exist, because you acknowledged and appreciated them for just being who they are. The third step is to take those daily acts of courage and do those things that scare the crap out of you. And the fourth step is to forgive yourself, because you will make mistakes, right? I know, making mistakes is never fun. <laughs> but the thing is, is that you can learn from them. And when you get those learning lessons from that experience, that is a true hero. And that leads to the sequel. So, do you have any questions? ice cream instead of going to the workout. I get it. Sometimes ice cream is good. Am I going to wake up tomorrow and make that same excuse? Am I going to wake up and, and repeat that behavior? Or am I going to choose a new path? Am I going to choose to do something different? Am I going to choose to live and operate from a place of faith and from a place of belief in myself and from a vision of what I can achieve and who I can be? So I want you to think real Quick, for now, because how much, how are we doing on time? Uh, we have 15 minutes. Okay. So I want you to imagine your favorite hero. You can shout about it. Who's your favorite hero? Anyone? Yes. Yeah? Uh, Spider-Man. Spider okay. So I want you to imagine your favorite hero. It's, maybe it's Spider-Man. Declan, do you have a favorite hero? Mom. No? Yeah. Mama? <laughs> so imagine your favorite hero. Maybe it's Shinji. Maybe it's Belle. I mean, that's mine. Imagine that favorite hero. What are the qualities that she or he has? What are the qualities? So perhaps they're brave. Perhaps they're spunky. You know, what are some amazing qualities that Spider-Man has, aside from his awesome being able to, like, shoot webs out of his fingers? But, like, what are the personality traits that he has? Yeah? Uh, he, 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 he doesn't give up. Exactly. Look at those qualities. He doesn't give up. He keeps going. He's resilient. This is why we love our heroes. The thing is, is that because of 
perception is projection because of how we are biologically made. When we see somebody and we admire those qualities, you know what else? We admire those qualities because we have them in our own selves. You have that ability to never give up on what you want. You have that ability to keep going and that resilience because you love that within that character, within that hero. And so you also have that within yourself. Spike Spencer, Mr. Shinji, no. has the ability to not run away. <laughs> he knows how to not run away from a problem. Thank you, Declan. He knows how to not run away. He's brave and he goes for it. Even when prop, like I see him at home, like when he's facing a problem with, with a property or with someone or whatever it is, he still faces it. So look at the qualities that your heroes have and recognize the fact that you also have them within yourself. You have the bravery. For me, one of the qualities that I love about Belle is that she doesn't care what people look like. She fell in love with a freaking animal. <laughs> she fell in love with a beast. I married a beast. Hello. <laughs> she saw people for who they really are at their, on their, at their heart. And that's one of the qualities that I love and that I'm very proud to have. So I want you to take a second and imagine that hero. And imagine and train your brain to think of all those times in your life where maybe you didn't give up and you kept going. Because so often we do not give ourselves enough credit for the good things that we do on a daily basis. So often we don't give ourselves enough credit for those acts of heroism because we don't think that they're acts of heroism. Right? We don't think that smiling at someone and saying hello is an act of heroism because maybe it's easy for us. Like for me, smiling and saying hello to someone is easy. It was not easy when I was six years old. It was not easy when I was a teenager. I was shy. I was really introverted. Like being up on stage was the scariest thing on the planet. I would pee when my teacher would call on me. Pee. Yeah. Yeah. You can laugh, it's fine. I own it. <laughs> and seriously, if I had told my kindergarten... Thank you, Declan. <laughs> if I had told my kindergarten teacher that I would be a public speaker, she would have laughed. So just because somebody doesn't yet see it in you doesn't mean that you can't recognize the fact that you never give up, the fact that you take those daily acts of heroism, the fact that you move forward with courage on a regular basis. Even if the act of courage is something small, honor yourself for those daily acts of courage. Right, buddy? Yeah. Anyone have any questions? Any questions? Yeah. So how are you going to be a hero to somebody today? I love that. So if nobody has any more questions, let me know. I think that we can all learn a lesson from this young gentleman, that an act of heroism sometimes is just being kind. A lot of times, especially in traffic, for anybody who drives. I know you're not yet driving yet. Or at least, you know, we can hope not. <laughs> but sometimes an act of kindness is instead of that person who cuts you off in traffic and you go, blah, 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 maybe just taking a moment and putting our own egos, our own selves aside and saying, you know what, that person probably is in a bigger rush than I am. I'm going to send them kindness and love and say, you know what, I hope you get to your destination safely. Maybe an act of kindness is somebody bumps you while you're waiting in line and your initial response is to do something like, oh. I mean, curse words would come out if there were not <laughs> younger people. But perhaps that's your initial response. An act of courage can be simply t checking your initial response and being like, huh, that, that was, maybe I should just wish them well. Oh. It's 
excuse me? Rather than, yeah? Do you have an act of courage? <laughs> so sometimes it's those small acts of courage, but we need to recognize those within ourselves on a daily basis. So how are you going to be a hero today for somebody else? And maybe sometimes, like it was with me, being a hero for somebody else, a lot of times God has to start with you first. How can you be a hero in your own life? You want to be a hero? Can you say hero? Yeah. He said hero. We have a new word. This is a big deal. So, how, so I will leave you with this. Remember the four pillars of becoming a hero. Ownership. Walk with confidence. Chin up. Look people in the eyes. You what? Never give up. Do those acts of courage and never give up on keeping doing uh, on keeping doing those acts of courage, operating from that place of faith. And then step number four is forgive. Forgive yourself, forgive others, forgive your own humanity for being who you are and the awesomeness that you are. Thank you all so much for coming to this panel and for taking this time out of your day to better yourselves and enhance yourselves. Like that is in itself an act of heroism. So I celebrate you and I wanna thank you so much. Thank you. Stefan, do you have any final words? Do you wanna come up here and say something? I want you all to meet my hero. I can't really kneel down, buddy. Would you like to say something? There we go, thank you. It's not his first time on stage, by the way. <laughs> Can you say hero? What was that? You see that? This is my hero. He teaches me how to be better and kinder every single day. So thank you all so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.